Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Today, what we're going to cover, and we're going to just dive right into it, which is using social media, how to convert social media followers into clients. Yes. And I know this is a topic that there is a lot of interest in. A lot of people have tried social media. A lot of people over periods of time have hated social media. A lot of people have tried it and not found success necessarily. And so I know some also have. And so just having a conversation around how does it work to use social media in a way that actually gets you clients versus being a frustrating and time-sucking piece of your life. Yeah. So let's start with just to stay on brand. Let's start with a downer. And I was going to say, in true <laughs> Joshua Escalante Troche fashion, let's do that. And let's start with, I hate the phrases that people use around this. How do I turn my social media following into clients? How do I convert social media followers into clients? You can't. It is not possible because I want you to think about the language that you are using. You are saying that you have some alchemistic formula that you can put together to force someone into wanting to become a client. That's not how life works. That's like saying, oh, look, there's a nice person that I'm seeing walking across the park on the other side of the park. How could I make them marry me? That's not how life works. You have to do at least six months of Facebook lives together before you can even propose. Exactly. We just went over this. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have to really change just the fundamental way we view this because it really it assumes we take agency away from our followers, which don't get me wrong. Facebook followers, Facebook does kind of create an environment where people take their agency away and they just sort of do whatever big popular people say. But all of that being uh, notwithstanding, that's not really a very healthy way of being able to try and build a business. And so instead, what we want to look at it is not how do we convert followers into clients? It's how do we engage with followers in a way so that when they are ready, to become clients of someone, we are one of the top people they think of, mm. right? It's about them, not about us. And what we're going to do on Facebook is not to try and post the right set of things on the right schedule at the right timing in order to magically brainwash someone into handing over their money. Maybe that's what you're doing, but I'm not doing I'm trying. I'm trying that route. <laughs> yeah. And so... That's the thing that we really want to get, get our head around, right? It's this idea that it, it isn't about converting people or getting people to become clients. It's about engaging with people. And language, you're right. It really, really does matter because how we frame the language has us 
there is an example I heard recently that was completely off topic, but very interesting how English is one of the few languages that says like, how did you break your leg? Which kind of puts it like, how did you, like, you're wrong. How did you do that? How did you screw up versus how did your leg break? Which is how a lot of other languages use it. So it's really interesting. Even that framing is like, you did something wrong. And so the blame is on you. Totally off topic, but but it's true because language matters. Our language changes how we interpret things and how we interpret things changes how we behave. And that's going to change how we engage and show up in social media, which will change how other people behave. Totally. And this fits right in. If you've watched any of our other lives around sales, it goes right into the sales as service model that you talk about all the time that we teach at launch and really is a much more, not just fun way to do it because it doesn't feel sleazy or salesy, but I think genuine and helpful way to go about sales as well. Yeah. And it's more effective. Yeah. It has been demonstrated to be more effective in research. So, all right. So let's talk about how do we engage with people so that when they're ready to do that in their own lives, we're the person or one of the top people that they think of. Yeah. And the first thing we have to realize is, and I see this a lot when we see posts about, hey, I've been on social media for six months. I've got a hundred followers, but I still don't have any clients. Yeah. You need a very large audience in order to have a set of clients that are going to come out of it. And we can see this with a wide variety of, of situations. You've got, for example, Rick Edelman, who is for since the 1980s, had a nationally syndicated radio show talking about finance. Millions upon millions of people listening. And he has a very, very successful business. But it is still a tiny fraction of the number of people that listen to him every single week, not follow memes on Facebook, but listen to him for an hour or two hours a week talking about money. Okay. And the reason why is because when you are when you are engaging with an audience, not all of them are going to have the need that you're looking for, that you provide. Number one, by their very nature, someone who engages with financial media, whether it's your social media platform or whether it's the Rick Edelman show or anything else, are already people that are trying to do it themselves. So we've already eliminated a big chunk of the audience because they're just people that are trying to do it themselves and they're trying to gather as much information as possible. Then we've got a smaller group of the audience that have to be ready, willing, and able to be your clients. And all three of those things, they have to be ready in the moment and what's going on in their lives. They have to be willing, meaning they're willing to do whatever it's going to take in order to change things because humans are subject to inertia, just like all other forces in nature, all other physical elements. And they have to be able, meaning they actually have to have the financial resources to be able to do it. And at any given moment, there's going to be a very small percentage of people who are going to be that. 
And then we have the issue of they probably don't just follow you. They probably follow a bunch of different people. Yeah. So just to push back, like the Rick Edelman mm-hmm. example, very big audience, but obviously not all of those people become clients, generally a smaller and smaller percentage the further you go down. But I feel like I have heard some people who say mm-hmm. like, oh, I, you know, I only have a couple thousand Instagram followers or even less, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm able to get, and this is very subjective, a decent amount of clients, right? So we don't necessarily okay. know is that enough to do full-time. If it's full-time, how much do, do you define as full-time? But I feel like there are examples of people who have found success mm-hmm. through social media, not having tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers. So either what are they doing right? Or does that disprove what you were saying? So the exceptions exist, but they don't exist. Because when we look at exceptions, we tend to look at a very narrow set of things and say, oh, that's an exception. Not realizing that there might be 50 other things that they're doing that are creating that success in spite of this one thing. And so we always have to be careful of when someone says, well, I've got an Instagram following and as a result, and I've only got a thousand people on it and I get a good number of clients out of it. First, what is a good number, right? If it's one client a year, even if it's 10 clients a year, out of a thousand, that's 1%. Number two, okay, we have an Instagram following, but they're also writing a newsletter. They also have a YouTube channel. They also are communicating with people one-on-one through email, right? There might be 50 other things that they're doing that are contributing to that success. And so we have to be really careful about taking one little thing that someone does and then assume that 100% of their success comes from this one thing that they do. Because that's also not realistic. No one thing is going to be your silver bullet that's going to build do everything for you. And I think another way to take that is like using this Facebook group as an example. We've talked mm-hmm. about this occasionally in the past, but it's like, oh, how did I build a successful financial coach's Facebook group? It's like, well, I didn't just start it and then people magically found it themselves. A lot of people originally found this through me writing a 25-page article on a blog someone who is also very well known in the financial planning space who has like 30,000 subscribers. And I was able to do that because I had met him three times, you know, over three years at a financial planning conference. And so I think it is important to really understand that oftentimes, like you said, what we see is this very small piece of what went into it. And so if we only focus on that one piece, we really miss a lot of these other external factors that contributed to it or all the time and energy and additional work that helps support it. Yeah. And then we have to think about how do they engage? And it's important to realize that we want to make sure that anytime we do any type of advertising, that we do the advertising, utilizing the platform, the way people normally utilize it. So as an example, how do you use email? Ooh, that's a good... Uh, in your like normal a, everyday life. Oh, just outside of business or... In, outside of business. Kind of ask questions if, or if I'm like, hey, this is something I need something from you. Sometimes it's how I'll, yeah. I'll do that. Or I came across an article that I want to send. I guess that was more pre-Facebook. I actually rarely use personal email. This is why I'm getting all deer in headlights outside of business anymore. I get a lot of spam. So it's really just like direct requests for information from like my family and my friends. There's the key. 
from your family and friends. You use email and everyone uses email to communicate with family and friends, with people they have pre-existing relationships with. You don't use email and everyone listening to this would think someone would be crazy if they were using email, sending out emails to random email addresses and saying, hey, I'm looking to build relationships with new people and new friends. Would you like to be my friend? Yeah. But think about how many businesses that is how they use email. Yeah. Email is incredibly effective when it is communicating with people who you have a pre-existing business relationship with. Because that is how people use email in their everyday lives. And we apply the same thing to social media. People use social media to have conversations and keep in touch with people. And so if you're going to create a social media following, if, you're, if you have any hopes of that small percentage, when they're ready, thinking of you, it can't be a lecture. It can't be, here's a thing about budgeting. Here is why you should pay off your debt. Here is an article that I wrote. Because that is a one-way conversation. It's basically using social media as a cheap form of advertising distribution. Hmm. And that's not how humans use everyday people use social media in their everyday lives. And so it's not going to be effective. People use social media to have conversations. So have the conversations. So just thinking, I also want to keep us on track. And we've had some yeah. questions come yeah. in as well that I'm working back here to. Let's do the sure questions. Well, screw the other two points. Let's do the questions. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So let me see if I can get, oh gosh, Troy, I am so sorry. I'm going to have to try and go into the past comments that we already had. If you don't get them early when it's live, they kind of get lost in the thread. Yeah. So Troy, I'm going to go. He said, as I can get back here, how many hours do you spend trying to create personal finance content? And do you have a content calendar? So some of these are going to be, are actually more specific around like the how. And I'm wondering if it's helpful to dive into the how now or so stay a little higher level. Let's stay a little higher level. And then we'll come back to that question if we have time at the end. And if not, we'll answer it in the future live. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And so the last thing is, so number one, we have to have conversations so that people want to engage. Well, I guess it's number two or three. And then finally, number three is we have to give people a compelling reason to say yes to our services. And the most common mistake, because it's a big leap to go from a follower to a client, by a social media follower to a client, that is a huge, massive leap. We tend to think of it not being a big leap because of you know, we think of mega stars like Dave Ramsey or Rick Edelman, where people are like, well, I, I want to be a client of them. I would love to have Dave Ramsey personally help me with stuff. Yeah, but that has to do with celebrity and stardom, not with social media. Yeah. And so we have to be very careful to have this, to have this realization that it is a big leap to go from I'm following you on social media to I'm going to pay you and give you access to one of the most private aspects of my life. And so what are we going to put on our social media that is going to actually be compelling to make that leap? And I will tell you right now, your blog article is not going to do it. Oh, man. I will tell you right now, 
that your that posting about three million to three trillion dollars of student loan debt and and you know this these facts not going to do it. Here's why a budget is important. Not going to do it. They have to have a compelling reason to make that leap, and that compelling reason is probably not going to be personal finance related. It's going to be a combination of things that yes showcase your expertise, but not your expertise in personal finance. Something that showcases your expertise in something somewhat obscure that is highly relatable and highly important to your client. Your niche. Your niche. (laughs) (laughs) It was was 20 minutes in. You can't get your first drink now. Because, because that's what's going to attract people, right? That's what's going to cause people to want to trust you. That's what's going to cause people to want to go. It's not going to be because you understand budgets. There's lots of people that understand budgets. Hell, you go to Excel and type in budget into the little template search thing. You've got 50 to choose from. Yeah. So posting about personal finance is not going to allow people to take that leap. People feeling confident that you understand them at a deep level, not personal finance at a deep level, them at a deep level is what's going to cause them to take that leap. Now, don't get me wrong. You also have to know personal finance and demonstrate expertise in that because that's going to be important. But the leap is going to require that personal connection. I was just going to say, you keep saying the leap. And so I just wanted to reflect that back that it doesn't mean that you shouldn't ever post knowledgeable content about personal finance stuff related to your niche. But in terms of what's going to have the most impact to help them take that leap from follower to client, that's what we were just talking about. And I don't think we're going to have time today because it'll be nice to go to some questions now, but maybe talking about how, kind of what are the steps between that and kind of the funnel from, okay, so what if someone follows you on social media? Do they normally then just say, I'm ready to become a client? And they just automatically book and call or the idea of freebie to tripwire to talking about different ways to get people from social media to engaging more deeper and deeper and deeper with you. So I'll, I'll give two, we'll talk about it definitely in the live later, but for those of you who can't wait for a future live, because we don't know when it's going to get into our content calendar into our schedule, especially the way we do our schedule. Um, the, but I will, I'll ask people, I'll just yeah. let it, I'll put it in the comments. And if we get a lot of upvotes, we can move it. Yeah. But the reality is crash course, the, the idea of the sales ecosystem is a good place to start with that. And then a lot of what launch is, especially the two week launch week is all about that exact thing. And so there's that entire module in launch is completely about exactly that. So there are other resources if you can't wait for the live at some point in the future, but we'll do a live someday. Perfect. So what were the questions? Or thumbs. I'm just finishing typing that out. Perfect. So we'll just go in order, which is how many hours do you spend creating personal finance content? And do you have a content calendar? So maybe we could say specific to social media, or we could take it a bit more broadly and say any kind of marketing. How do you want to answer that one? So I don't spend very much time at all right now because I have shut down all of my marketing. Thank Uh, you. (laughs) (laughs) I've yelled at Josh about this, by the way. Yeah. So 
when I was, yeah, when I was creating content, number one, yes, I did have a content calendar. My content calendar was more along the lines of what were my ideal client thinking about at certain times of the year. The other thing that my content calendar was revolving around was what questions were being asked. As far as how much time I spent creating content, I spend personally an enormous, a ridiculous amount of time creating content because I'm creating content for my nonprofit. I'm creating content when I do have my marketing turned on for my for-profit business. I'm creating content for FCN. I'm creating content for my for my being a professor. And so I don't know, 10, 20, 30 hours a week when but I'm in not you. So not you, right? Because you're right. as I think other people have said in the past, you're really, really weird. Yeah. And so for maybe a quote unquote normal person who's yeah. not a robot, how long should they spend on a daily basis? Right. In terms of that idea of, and I know marketing is different from sales. We talk about this in Crash Course and Launch, but like marketing activities, newsletter, social media. Is there even a way to define what's too much there, or what's too little? So yeah, I think we talk about it in Crash Course, but but we do have an entire thing on building out your ideal calendar in Launch, where it talks about how much time you should spend on each of these elements. Your marketing shouldn't be a lot maybe a couple of hours a week. And the reason why is because marketing is what people think of when they think of marketing is a long game. And generally speaking, the vast majority of your efforts should be in sales. And like I say, in launch, there's like a breakdown of how to figure all this out and you know ranges and all that other fun stuff, but it should be a small amount. We tend to want to do marketing because it's the safe thing. I don't have to place myself at risk. I never know that anyone says no to me. So psychologically, I'm protected. But for small businesses, marketing does a, it should be a very small component of the amount of time you spend. A much larger component should be sales activities. And a lot of people think, well, yeah, but look at big companies like, like Rick Edelman or Nike. They spend huge amounts of money on marketing. You're right, they do. And it's a tiny drop in the bucket compared to how much they spend on sales. Gotcha. Even when a company grows massive and has the ability to do huge marketing campaigns with an incredibly established brand where they can use that to leverage their marketing, Nike still spends far more money and far more time on sales than marketing. And same thing with Rick Edelman. And you know, to put it into perspective, a top sales rep at a company the average salary of top sales reps at companies is higher than the average salaries of CEOs at the companies. Mm -hmm. That's how much effort companies put into sales versus marketing. Yep. So yeah, so it shouldn't be a lot. Don't, don't spend a huge amount of time. Let's spend, you know, in a 40 hour work week, a couple hours. And this is off the cuff comment, not based on breaking it down and saying this not much on this and everything else. So Take it with a grain of salt with regards to the couple of hours. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Yeah. Next question was, what have you found to be the most important metric to measure when using social media? It depends on what your objective is. So if your goal is, is reach 
to get the message out to people, then the most important metric is either going to be reach, obvious there, or engagement because engagement breeds reach on social media. The challenge with engagement is we tend to think, well, that's the best measure. So I want to see how many likes I got. And that is not, engagement does not equal impact, right? Those are two completely different things. With regard to actually wanting to business and gain clients, if that's your objective out of your social media, then the metric is very simple. What percentage of my followers reach out to me? <laughs> and it doesn't matter how much engagement it is. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If my goal was to get people to sign up, I am perfectly happy and excited by putting a post out there that zero people like, zero people comment on, zero people do anything with because it is so deeply personal. People feel uncomfortable about revealing that about themselves, but that causes them to feel comfortable to reach out to me. And so that's all based on your objectives, not to make this an advertisement for a launch, but that's why there's an entire module on key performance indicators and understanding how to separate vanity metrics from key performance indicators, how to identify what are the right key performance indicators, how to set up them so that we can track not only things that lead up to the thing that we want, but whether or not the thing that we want is actually happening. So that's why there's a whole thing around it because a lot of what we tend to follow or we're told to follow when we read blogs end up being vanity metrics, which makes sense. The blogs are trying to get readers and the way you get readers is talk about things that everyone's excited about, regardless of whether it matters. The last question that we got was Chi and he had asked, what kind of questions would you ask on your Facebook page to engage people, to start those conversations? Yeah, that is a hard one because, so here's the answer. The answer is the kinds of questions you want to ask are, the, are whatever your ideal audience wants to be asked. So Garrett, what question do you ask on people on Monday? Oh, what is the number one thing you want to accomplish this week? And what question do you want to be asked? What do you ask people on Friday? So what's the biggest thing that you accomplished this week? And the reason why those questions are asked on Monday and Friday is because everyone wants to be excited about talking about what they want to do this week in their coaching business, especially in a group of financial coaches. And everyone wants to celebrate the wins that they had. It has nothing to do with what Garrett wants or what Garrett and I want. It has to do with that's what people want to talk about. And so the, the best, most engaging questions are going to be the ones that they want to be asked that they're begging to be asked. What you tend to see is things like, how many of you guys are struggling with credit card debt? You have never been at a cocktail party and been like, man, I'm so bored. No one's talking to me. Why doesn't someone come on and talk to me about my credit card debt? Doesn't happen. I love your examples. Continue. Right? And you know, wrapping it up kind of in a nice little bow, way back when, this was in MySpace days, I came in as the vice president of marketing for a credit union. And one of the things that was really difficult to, how should I put this? To get other people to stop bugging me about was that 
our CEO, our COO, all the other different people, they wanted to, so I created the social media page and they wanted to say, oh, let's talk about our credit cards or let's talk about our checking accounts or let's talk about these other things. And what I had to explain to them is no one cares because no one has ever been hanging out with their friends at the beach and said, oh my God, you will not believe what I did last weekend. I opened up a new checking account at Bank of America. And let me tell you about this checking account. The, the disclosures, oh my God, page four of the disclosures, you've got to read this. I'm just going to read it to you, right? No one does that. Your ability to be sarcastic must have been a total joy for all of your employees. <laughs> tell you what, bar none, just top notch, top notch indeed. So you can't post that. You can't, that can't be something that you have to ask a question about or have a conversation about. So we didn't. So what we talked about was things that people actually do talk about and have questions about. Things like, you know, how do we, how do we deal with Christmas? You know, with the financial struggles of Christmas. Things like how much does college actually cost when kids go off to college? Things that actually do people have questions about because they actually go and ask their friends, hey, your kid just went off to college. My kid's going in a couple of years. Well, what are you paying right now? Those are the things that matter because those are the conversations that people are having in the real world. So could you just ask your community, even if it's a small one, what questions they have? Yeah. Directly. Real good way to figure out what they want. And funny enough, like <laughs> I was really nervous to do that in the beginning. I'm like, I need to have all the answers, right? I need to know. And if it's, if it's almost, I don't know why I even thought this, but like, if I don't know, then there's like something wrong with me or yeah. I should know. Well, that that's my own stuff I had to work through, but they'll, they'll tell you, or they might not in the beginning, if you've been kind of swinging and missing for a while, again, where I was at, you spend too long trying to guess what people want and don't ask them, but kind of, they may tune out. But yeah, I think that idea of having it genuinely be a conversation, the more that you try and consistently do that over time you'll find more and more engagement in my experience. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And if we didn't get to a question that you have, just go ahead and put it in the comments so that we can come back, make sure to tag Josh or I, so that we get notified about them and we'll answer them in the comments or we'll add it to our list of future Facebook Lives to do. We seem to be getting a lot of engagement and interest in, not surprisingly, right? Like social media. Social media. On a Facebook, Facebook group. <laughs> What are the odds, right? You know, marketing funnels and things like that. So we'll take that into consideration and feel free to put down future topics that you would like us to talk about just so that we make sure that just like we said, we're engaging and not just trying to guess. So thank you again, Josh, for your time. Thanks everyone who showed up and we will be on next week. We do these weekly. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall there if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.